I would say the first work of the of the fund is to make people aware of the fact that there are persons of color involved in bluegrass and to to encourage people who want to play bluegrass who are people of color and maybe use us as a resource. Bluegrass is often viewed as a white person's music, but over time, that's not always been true. Basically, bluegrass is kind of a conglomeration in some ways of a lot of different stylistic musics that have been played by people of color and uh, indigenous people who, who've kind of, you know, the style, stylistically, it's all kind of been rolled into bluegrass. And then also you realize that it comes maybe from a rural background, but there are lots of people of color playing old time and bluegrass music until people left the South or left, you know, the rural areas where music, that particular kind of music was played. So what, what happens is, is that we kind of see, you know, you kind of see a change of music, you know, people going like, well, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to play that. That music is archaic, you know, banjos, fiddles, hey, you know, um, you know, I've, I've, I've migrated. Why is it necessary to have a special program to encourage people of color to participate in bluegrass? Sometimes I think, Phil, you have to be proactive about things. You know, it's one thing to say, you know, bluegrass is for everyone. Anybody who wants to listen to this music can. Anybody who wants to play it is welcome to do it. But this is a way of reaching out in a proactive way and welcoming uh you know, people from underrepresented, you know, previously underrepresented uh, racial and ethnic groups into the bluegrass community. You know, we, we want to encourage participation because just, you know, looking around at the typical festival, the typical bluegrass club meeting, uh, the typical IBMA conference, uh, there aren't a lot of uh, people of color in, in the circle, you know. We're speaking with Richard Brown and Nancy Cardwell of the Arnold Schultz Fund of the International Bluegrass Music Association. The Arnold Schultz Fund encourages participation by people of color in bluegrass music. I've looked at the application form, and it's it's not very difficult, but the deadline for applications is January 31st, so uh, people who are interested should get a look at it as soon as possible. What kinds of projects are you really looking for? It, it runs the gamut. I mean, obviously, we're not going to be financing people wanting to write books that are going to take three years to write. But I hope people understand that it is for people who may want to do apprenticeships or they may want to do workshops or, you know, go to go to things like Bluegrass Leadership, which might be might be an eye opener for people or just make, you know, we want to make it possible for people to do things that maybe they didn't think that they would get the encouragement to do. Help with purchasing an instrument, taking lessons, going to bluegrass camps, um, you. <laughs> you know, mentorship programs. It could be somebody learning to build instruments or learning to be a bluegrass broadcaster or, you know, just any area of the indus- industry where, um, you know, an individual or a group could use some help. I don't think it's that well known, but the influence of, in particular, African-American musicians has been crucial to the development of bluegrass. I think of names like, well, to go way back, D. Ford Bailey 
And then Arnold Schultz, who this project is uh, named after. And Richard, you, you uh, had an encounter with Bill Monroe, the father of bluegrass music, and he told you about Arnold Schultz. Oh, yeah. I mean, I first learned about Arnold Schultz by reading Ralph Rensler's article in Sing Out in 1963. Probably a year later, I, I met Bill Monroe at, um, at Ralph Rensler's house. And uh, that, that kind of, uh, you know, that kind of started. I mean, I was a guitar player then, and I actually, actually got to play with, to, to play some with Bill that night. I remember once um, after I'd moved to Cambridge, um, he used, Bill used to come to the Club 47 quite often. I remember one night I was, uh, you know, we were, we were just backstage uh, in the green room, which is a tiny room, and we were sitting there and he was, he was just telling me about, uh, telling me about, you know, he said, you know, I used to play with Arnold Schutz, you know, and uh, he, you know, he, uh, I used to play guitar with him. And, you know, I liked the runs he played. You know, and we we one night we played uh, we played until the we played until the sun come up. You know, and it was on it was on a Friday. I was on um, you know, it was on a Saturday night. You know, and we weren't supposed to be playing music. The sun came up and it was Sunday morning. You weren't supposed to be playing music. You know, it was um, basically you know out in the country. I mean, uh, a square dance was basically your entertainment, and. Uh, and Bill was kind of, he kind of got excited about that. You know. Many people feel that Monroe's greatest contribution to string band music is weaving the blues into all the playing. And Arnold Schultz, in Monroe's case, is where it came from. That's why this program is so aptly named the Arnold Schultz Fund. And if the people want to know more about it, uh, the web address is bluegrassfoundation.org. The deadline for applications for people of color to get more involved in bluegrass music is January 31st this year. Is there uh, an email address uh, that uh, listeners can use in case they want to get uh, specific questions responded to? Sure. Um, info at bluegrassfoundation.org. And, you know, I've got to say, I've been really pleased with the reception by the bluegrass community. You know, a lot of people have been supportive, sent in donations large and small um you know this seems to be the right time to think about something like this and, and like richie said probably long overdue so um, we're just yeah. um happy to uh to be a part of it and and to be an encouragement 